Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, all right. Tuesday. Stanley Cup final. A little bit of a twist last night. We got a series, maybe. Big win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe. 6-2, final. Game number four going tomorrow. Hmm. Frank Saravalli is our NHL insider. He's coming up at the bottom of the hour. Half an hour or so. I've got a question for him. Do you? Well, we were just kind of humming and hawing. Like what, uh... Professional or personal? Ooh, I don't think he personally knows Valerie Nichushkin, so we'll call it professional. Okay. Just, well, what's that guy, what's top of market dollars look like? We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Right now, uh, Stephen Brun joins us. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Good Good morning. I'm uh, I'm very well. Very, very well. He sounds <laughs> relaxed, doesn't he? Eh? He really does. Like yeah. I am. I'm very place, relaxed. And, yeah, you are. This is zenning out. It's, just, yeah. it's No, it's true. Like, I, I, I realize that I drink a little less coffee and... Um, have a little less on my mind so it's blank a lot of the time so that's good right <laughs> kind of that's the zen thing and yeah I, like i'm doing i'm working i'm doing a little bit of radio out here and as long as the technology works so that we i've been doing the tr- pretending i'm not pretending i'm in toronto but i am doing a toronto radio show every night mm-hmm. but otherwise yeah i'm kind of uh the i would say i've adapted to the pace here but it is i've adapted to the lack of pace so it's, it's pretty good it's your adaptability really that does it, very malleable, oh, yeah. flexible, yeah. yeah. You're adjusting well. Uh, I can adapt. I can adapt to doing. I can adapt to doing nothing much mm-hmm. pretty easily. You're right. I'm very adaptable to that. But you, so but you were I, saying I'm almost there. I got a little, a little bit more. This takes some time. This is a okay, process to decompress when you get out there. That like what, your first day there when you go to the Timmy's drive-through, uh, the 20 minute wait with yes. two cars ahead of you because of the conversation about the new town hall meeting or whatever, like. This isn't you aren't naturally in that Zen state yet. How many days does it take? Well, I you know it's been it's been quick this time, and I don't know like it's quicker. Like I, I'm still driving too fast. I will say I I am still driving <laughs> that brunt. He's or, better or people down. here are driving or yeah. or people here are driving too slowly, which may also be true. They're they're inexplicable. Like you're whipping along through a ninety kilometer an hour zone, and somebody's driving forty. That happens here occasionally and so i i think they see you know the, the big red car with the ontario license plates coming up behind them and they, they also they will pull over like they will let you go by they, the, that's kind of a thing too yeah. but it, I, I i assume every time they do that they think i'm a jerk hmm. that's the thing about my my little hometown uh, in manitoba is main street it's angle parking uh but you're on main street you just never know because the car in front of you may just stop to talk to the guy coming in the opposite direction <laughs> That's, That's right. right. And they'll roll the windows down oh, yeah. and just start having a visit. And you just, you don't honk. You never, like, well, honk. That'd be rude. No, no, you just, well, like, that's, they're talking about something. You wait. Yeah. It's got to be important, right? No, be. that happens. That's a big one here. Yes. Yeah. The, yep. Two lane, the two lane of the road conversation <laughs> sticking your, here's what, but I don't, I, this may, it's, I, I've always thought this was a uniquely Newfoundland thing. So you can tell me this is a rural Manitoba thing too. And I, cause I realized it yesterday. I was way up in the bush. I was fishing yesterday morning or very, very early. And I was driving back on this kind of country road and every t- every once in a while you know very occasionally a car would come the other way and the guy would wave and and i you know and i was out of the habit because the thing one of the things you do here generally now not like if you're in the big city like if you're in cornerbrook or you know st john's or one of these towns so, you know if you live in town then maybe not but out here in the country where i live 
there's a wave and it's not like you, you, you know, you don't pick your hand up and wave like the queen or anything, but you just, you just lift your four fingers off the wheel, right? Just every time. And if you don't do it, I assume they think again, they think you're a jerk. So I'm getting back into that reflex where, you know, you know, if you do it to somebody and they don't wave back, then you assume they're not from here. I is that a Manitoba? Do they do that in Manitoba? In friendly, it's because it's friendly Manitoba, right? Surely they do. Of course, Stephen. It's it's maybe one finger. Sometimes it's two. The odd time, you may take the hand right off the wheel altogether and give him one of these. A big oh how <laughs> she going? Yeah. yeah, the big how she wave going? Right. Yeah, yeah. You got a wave. Yeah. You got a wave. Okay. Yes. So that's that's good. That's a, see. I think that's a good thing. Is that it's kind of a civilizing thing. And and if you did it. You know, if, if if I did that back in my other home, like people would assume it was road rage, right? That I was flip, flipping them to bird or something. You start an accident, your hand would be off the wheel the whole time. Huh. <laughs> We're about three weeks away That's from right. Stephen being the one getting honked at from drive for driving too slow down That's the right. street. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Why, why, what's the hurry? Yeah, Where are you going? Where you got to go? Rolling your window down, looking for, hey, go for coffee. You got time? Go to, just don't, yeah. You'll be going, <laughs> having some afternoon coffee with the, uh, the, the chin wag with the old folks. It's, it's what it's all about, though. I'm glad. I'm on my second extra yes. large coffee. I'm right on edge. I, I'm wired right up, and, and you're in Zen mode. So that's, uh, so that's good. We balance each other out. Yeah, no, it's yeah. We'll see. We'll see how long I've got. You know, this is a long stretch for me. I've never been out here this long. Like by the time I, if I make it to the end of August, like I'm supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. I, I may, faith. I may completely go native. What's <laughs> possibly go native? Why day. would you have to leave if you make it to? Like, what's going to happen? Well, well, that's true. No, no, there is really, honest to God, like there's not. Yes, there's almost. I can't think of. I can't. Uh, like, if the world was ending, I'd probably stay here. You know, would that make For sense? Sure, yeah, like yeah, that'd be a good spot. Yeah, because I could forage and mm-hmm. fish, you know, <laughs> uh, eat nuts and berries and catch the odd fish. Yeah, yeah I'd be I'd be okay. Then and probably it's the last place. Like it'll it'll end an hour and a half later here, right? So like it's <laughs> I might as well stay here. That's right. <laughs> uh. Now, you know, technology is great until it doesn't work. My I had my PVR going the other day. And I saw the first mm-hmm. l- the first half of the Stampeders Ticats game, but then it didn't record the, uh, yes. the second half. So big win for Hamilton at home. Uh, what happened to Calgary? <laughs> yeah, beat down. It's unbelievable, wasn't it? Just uh, the men against the boys. Yeah, yeah it really our, was. Just, uh, what's wrong with that? Like, Calgary's done. We yeah. talked to Justin Dunk I, yesterday. Like, I, is the wind that big a deal? Like Ivor Wind. Now this new one. Could they have not found some a wind break somewhere <laughs> where you can play more than half of a football game? Well, I thought they when they turned, see, they reoriented the stadium when they rebuilt the new stadium there, and it was supposed to. I thought it was reoriented so the wind wouldn't be so bad. Right, like that was what we were told that they it, it used to go, the field used to be east west, and now the field's north south. So that would seem to you would think the prevailing wind and all of that, but apparently not. But you know the complete El Foldo that accompanied the wind, like the the I, I believe the have you ever seen a fumble like a ball snatch on a quarterback sneak before like that. That play? Have you ever seen that play before? It's I haven't. I, I we asked think. Dunk about it. I because it, it was clean. And usually, when you're doing a quarterback sneak, you're you're going low. You're trying to get in underneath your yeah. offensive lineman. You're trying to go low. He gets kind of jammed up, Dane Evans, and he's still trying to fight for it. And I don't think he had forward progress. He was still trying to move. And Titus Wall had enough time to get around the entire group of players and just pluck it. And run in. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. 
No, I haven't, and I and I'm with you. I don't. I know they they the Dane Evans will I'm sure forever believe that he his forward progress, but he was he was he was still making forward progress, you know, an inch at a time. And I like I I don't think I can argue with the call, but yeah, it it, it just no, it was a bizarre a bizarre bizarre game. I I I think that Hamilton team it's it's interesting. You know, two you go to two great cups in a row, albeit you know around a pandemic. Um, Last year, they're ahead in the Grey Cup and probably should have won it. And you've been the class of the East. Um, you know, although last year they had to go to Toronto and win the Eastern Final. And you know, then things like it's it's hard it's hard to maintain in that league. You know, guys kind of come and go, and things get maybe a little stale. And you mm. go, you had two quarterbacks those two years. Now you got one quarterback, and he, he can look really great at times. So you know, as good in Mazzoli, but other times not look so good. I. Like I don't know if anybody else is any good in the East. I, I think that's a bit of an open question whether there's a there's a good team there. Maybe it's an open question for the whole league right now. But uh, yeah, I, I th- like I again I would assume by the end of the year they're going to make the playoffs. I would assume they've still got enough talent to do that. Orlando Steiner is a really good coach. Yeah, I mean, um, but I, it, it kind of it, it feels like a step back year though, maybe a little bit. I don't yeah. I'll tell you what, Orlando Steiner is not going to want to be doing any more halftime ceremonies for the Hall of Fame because he was probably pretty happy up until yeah. that point and then doesn't get to the locker room with his team and they, like you say, they kind of fell apart there. But uh, I don't think Toronto's very good. I don't think Ottawa's very good. I-, I think Hamilton's just fine. Winnipeg's good. I think Saskatchewan's good. Calgary's probably all right. There's, I think Edmonton's not real good at all. We'll find out about BC after that huge that huge win, but it's... I uh, it it was very CFLy. You don't see collapses quite like that, right? And it's it's not. No. I don't even mean that as a shot. It's almost what makes it kind of exciting that we're no lead is safe. Sometimes and we're back into the good old days, right? Yeah. Well, that's right. Like it was because you know there have been stretches even in the season where it, you know it hasn't exactly been a barn burner, right? Like there have been some games where the where you think you know the the perhaps moving the hash marks was not the complete solution to everything but that yeah that was cfl for better and for worse i would say that was a cfl game it, you know, it was a bit of a mess but you can't argue well once the turnaround happened you can't argue with the excitement value they got it to overtime it was kind of crazy yeah uh but yeah not by this you know but not according to script in any way so yeah i, th- I would think the league would take a few more of those although in hamilton we would rather not have them go that way again um We'll see. We'll see how things settle down. Yeah, they don't seem to have lady luck. The Thai cats. If there's something that's going to go no. haywire, it generally ends up blowing up in their face. They're like the coyote with the umbrella pointed upwards. Oh yeah, you think of you know like how far do you want to go back? But you know the the block the Brennan the the Banks uh, kick return that would have won the Grey Cup, but for potentially a well, there's a blocking call on every kick return. Well, I don't almost, know if there's the potentially no, phantom, no phantom blocking yeah. call. Yeah, yeah, you know that that one and. I say the blown lead against Winnipeg in the Grey Cup last year. Yeah, they they like they have been, you know, they haven't won a Grey Cup since 1999, um, and they've had some reasonably good teams in the interim. Uh, they, you know, and it's a small league. You would think just by roll of the dice, eventually you would win it. They're due. They're abs. They're you know they're due for a string of good luck. The Blue Jays have lost four or five in there. Of course, is yes. uh, two against the the powerhouse Yankees. At least. They, they seem to be a powerhouse. They have 50 wins. They are, they've had quite a start. And everything kind of, it's the ebbs and flows of a, of a major league season. And right now, it's the rotation that is kind of 
hit a bit of a hiccup. Gosman goes today. I was looking at 0 and 3 in June, a 6.75 ERA, rough. and he's he was terrific. And now saw young buzz before that yeah, stretch. Yeah, and now he's had a rough mm-hmm. a rough patch. And for Barrios, a uh, lot of hard hit balls, a lot of earned a lot of earned runs yesterday through four innings. Uh, and then you throw Kikuchi in, and Ryu we know is done for a year or more. So the the bullpen is taxed, and the the starters are in a state of flux right now, Steve. Yeah, but you're right about the ebbs and flows thing over baseball season because you know, before that, the Jays went through a big a stretch where they weren't playing close games, and the starters were being reasonably consistent. And the bullpen, they you know they had to were trying to find work for Jordan Romano because they didn't have any save situations one way or another. Uh, now they made up for that by getting the five out save against the Yankees in the last game, but. It, it does have and flow. The, I think, you know, with Barrios and Gosman, there's nothing physical going on, right? The the stuff is still there. I think, you know, sometimes sometimes you don't have a pitch like Barrios couldn't locate. You know, it was really his breaking ball. It was killing him last night because it was leaking right back into the zone. So they, they could, other teams could sit on a fastball as well, and it just it didn't work. And Gosman, has, it's been so... You know, they, like they, they, the Jays thought he was tipping pitches, uh, and that was before people started writing about the fact he was tipping pitches. Uh, so it's you know it's still the same repertoire. It's he's still got his velocity, but it's like it's like the opposition's kind of has adjusted and knows what's coming. So then you got to readjust. But I think that the the bigger issue is going to be, and it's not look they're a playoff team. You know they got the third best record in the American League, and everybody look at Tampa right now is scuffling. Nobody's beating the Yankees. Uh, and the other you know, rest of the American League is going to be the Yankees, then Houston, you know, and then the Jays and uh, you know Tampa probably. Boston's playing reasonably well right now, but there, there's a bunch of teams that are all the same or near the same below the Yankees, and the Jays are going to be one of those teams, and they're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, and once you get to the playoffs, you maybe only need three starters, and they probably will have three starters rolling. But the thing is, they've only gone, you know, they've only gone six starters deep so far this season. They've only had to, and mm-hmm. one of those six starters is gone, and uh, you know no team gets through a season using only six starters. And the problem is that their depth options at AAA are not good. They their their best pitching in their system right now is in Vancouver in High A, hmm. and there's some really good looking pitching in High A, and there's a little bit in New Hampshire, but there's nothing in Buffalo unless Tom Hatch figures it out. So. That you know kind of changes that whole deadline discussion, which we're gonna you know it's gonna begin in earnest in a, in a few days. Uh, you know, going well the whole last off season and the beginning of this season was you got to get a left-handed bat to break up this lineup. You need some you know you need a left-handed threat in that lineup, and they still do. But you know, priority A now, priority one now, although it's the same for you know basically every team, is a couple of bullpen arms because everybody needs fresh bullpen arms and relievers are volatile and. You you see that all the time that you know guy who has a great season last year is not going to have a great season this year and vice versa. So they're going to need some. They'll need to do what they did last year when they brought in Simber and they brought in Richards, who both worked out for them, um, and not bring in Brad Hand, who didn't hmm. work out for them. Um, but I think they need a starting pitcher, and that doesn't mean front of the rotation, you know, ace, and it doesn't necessarily mean even a guy who's controllable beyond this year. But I think they're going to need somebody to be that other guy who's a, a serviceable major league arm who can take his turn and just you know in case something happens here or uh like just you know you you don't you kind of knock on wood to talk when you talk about health but how you know how often does a team go through a whole year where they you know they've had uh, obviously one starting pitcher's gone 
but have a guys take their turn through an entire season just doesn't happen. So, you know, I just I look at what they've got and I look at what's in AAA and I think this is not optimal. You're 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 going to need to go out. So they're going to have to spend some capital to get somebody. Interesting. And and you know, like maybe to your point, it could just be a bulk guy, but someone that you know can get you four innings, right? Like opener four yeah. inning guy and then hopefully Pearson's up for the second half and he can be a two inning guy, but you're going to have to start piggybacking guys if you don't get another actual starter. Well, that's and who are you going to piggyback, right? It's like then you're just going to kind of wear down what you've got anyway. So, I, you know, I think the bullpen can get the, the thing is that Romano's been really good, and Simber's been mostly really good, and Jimmy Garcia has been mostly pretty good, and you know, you've some of those other guys in there not necessarily, but you know, Tim Mays I think is still coming back. They're going to be okay. Half their bullpen's probably just fine, and maybe two thirds of it is okay. And then you, so you add a couple of pieces there, but that there's two ways to go. One is you can get a yeah, a bulk guy, you know, better than Tanner Roark, who can give you, give you a start, um, or it could be your swingman, or you can put Stripling back and make him the swingman again because he can do that. The flip side is there's there's you know there's a couple of elite guys, there's more than a couple of elite guys who are going to be available, where you get the extra year of control, um, and you've got stuff to trade. You know, you do have some assets right now. If you could get somebody who would help you not just this year but next year and would be better than just that fifth fourth or fifth guy bulk starter um do you make that move at a time when you know like sometimes you pay more of a price at the deadline in the off season but not always so that it's i i guess what i would the, the main part of the main point is though that for this front office this you know you're trying to win i know that's obvious but you're in you're going to be a playoff team you have a chance to win the world series this year yeah the yankees are really good but it's not october and i don't you're not going to treat this as kind of an incremental development year. You know, if you have a chance, you know, if you could add, you know, there's a guy in Oakland who's really good. There's a couple guys in Cincinnati, really good. If you could add one of those guys, add an elite arm where you get an extra year of control and add him to the mix you have right now to take that shot because you know what's ahead in the season and you know what's ahead in October, and I think you do it. Um, you know, and the price will be something that'll make people cringe because we all talk about prospects a ton these days. Everybody knows who's coming. It won't be, you won't get them for nothing, but you know, could you pull off a deal like the one you did for Brios last year? And I think, I think most people would take that one, you know, even though Brios has you know, been up and down, that was a pretty good trade. Hmm. G- 37 uh, games in 38 days. Can, yeah. Could you handle that uh, in the Zen mode that you're in right now? Could you do? I, I think I would. I could. Uh, I, I think I could manage the team. You know, I think I could. Uh, although my pal Charlie's boy, he's you know he's been thrown out more than any manager in baseball. Oh, this I year. love it. I just I. He, again, well, and big it's, shoes. It's not his nature. Big shoes to follow with with Gibby. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's good stuff right there. But Charlie's like talk about a Zen guy, right? He's yeah. like he used to be that guy. He used to throw when he was in the minor leagues. He used to throw stuff on the field and all that. And then he had kind of an epiphany when. <laughs> When his when his son was born and got sick, and he decided life was more, you know, was, there's more important things in life than baseball. And, um, but man, yeah, he's. Uh, I I think the fiery Charlie's come back, and it's. Uh, I think that's maybe a good thing. I was talking about it with Maddie yesterday. It's imagine if there were other sports where that was kind of a thing, where the your manager, your coach would get into a verbal and and man it's a it's a thin line you can't balls and strikes you go even go there a little bit you're getting tossed 
So imagine in hockey, yeah. if, you know, Daryl Sutter behind the bench looked offside to me, well, heave ho, he's gone. Then he's got to put his skates on and get out there and spray some shavings on his, on his skates and let him know what's going on. <laughs> and in no other sport would that be, uh, would that be anything you see? But it's one of the charming things about baseball. I love it. I guess it is. Well, it is, except the, you know, except when it's like a crappy umpire who's having a crappy game and who's got rabbit ears and is looking for the confrontation more than the manager <laughs> is. Like that does happen, right? Uh, like those guys, they want their moment. So I, I like that less. I, I think, I think umpires should not be the stars. For me, it's almost like if you went to the ballpark, you just never know. Maybe today's the day you see a no hitter or a perfect game, or Psycho. maybe you see a manager getting thrown out of the game. It's all very special. Well, Let's but, crack a beer and see. Yeah, it's all very special. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. So have you got a lot uh, a lot planned for the rest of this week? Or uh, going back into the bush? Is this what's uh, happening? Or? Well, I, I, may go in the, I may go off uh, for, for a little bit. Uh, I had a long, uh, long day on the river yesterday, which was, it, it was great, except that I was half asleep when I did the show yesterday afternoon. So I got to balance that out. Like getting up at 4.30 in the morning is not good for doing a show that, in local time starts at six thirty at night. Um, so yes, I'm going to go briefly. I'm going to. I might get the. Take a look at the lawn here. Lawn's looking. I might get the weed whacker out. You know, oh that'd be, yeah, that'd be, yeah, that yeah. could that could take that could take up some time. Um, yeah, any any light bulbs need changing or uh, could be. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, putter. I, puttering. Eh? Yeah. It's, it's, I'm going to putter. I'm going to yeah. putter. I like so, that a lot. Yeah, it's good puttering day. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> be good, Steve. We'll talk to you. I, I guess on Friday. Yes, sir. See you guys. Thanks, Stephen. There he is out in his uh, beautiful summer spot in Newfoundland, puttering away. I just feel like we're more peaceful after having that chat and yeah, hearing I feel. how relaxed he yeah. is. It won't last. No, God, no. We'll be screwed yeah. up by being Take a break here yeah. and it'll be uh, what we're getting at. Um, there was a, uh, you know, a Kevin Weeks. Weeksy. He's been uh, going, because what's, what's he doing for ESPN or NBC, whatever he's doing. We all know who Kevin Weeks is. And he has been breaking news on his Twitter account, oh. right? And he'll do a little video from wherever he is. Now, yeah. yesterday, reporting live, uh, ESPN's Kevin Weeks tweeted that the Blackhawks were hiring Calgary Flames assistant coach Ryan Huska as their new head coach. He has now deleted the tweet. Uh, sources uh, saying that uh, they're still looking at a number of things. Uh, they're interested in Huska. He's on the list. There's not been an offer made just yet. Mm. So it was a bit of a. Uh, he he obviously had some info, but then pulled back on it. But suffice to say, I, if if he was prepared to tweet that, you know that Huska was in the mix. In the mix to the degree where he thought it was a done deal. So that's, I don't know, if we, we talked a lot about, well, didn't talk a lot about, but if there was a, an assistant coach or somebody on that bench that was maybe going to get some head coaching buzz, it was Kirk Muller. Yeah, because he was a head coach no longer, yeah. or at least a high-profile associate to Claude Julien. I mean, yeah. I, I think everyone in this market's familiar with Ryan Huska because he spent a lot of time with the the minor league affiliate in Stockton, and even prior to that, I want to say Adirondack, and then you know junior before that. Sure, of course, and he's spent some, done some done some coaching on the the world teams, mm-hmm. like the the national teams. So, but I, I don't know that a Chicago Blackhawks fan would know who Ryan Huska is. So I think that's that is a little more surprising from the out of market perspective. That oh wow okay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I thought, yeah. No. So we'll, uh, we'll sniff around that. Uh, Frank Valley is uh, our NHL insider. He's coming up. We can talk to him about uh, the coaching carousel, which is kind of slowing. Is it still trots that's kind of keeping things 
I think it was, but teams probably just said, I can't wait anymore. And so we're going to go offer Torts some dough, and we're going to go get Peter DeBoer, and we're going to hire Bruce Cassidy. I think he was holding things up. You can't say that. There's been three hires in the last two weeks. That's right. And our boy, Tortorella. Oh, right. So yeah, we'll talk to uh, to Frankie. Uh, of course, last night, game three, Lightning get into it with a six two win. It's now a two one series lead for Colorado. No, excuse my ignorance, but uh, did they have they made that official in Philly? Have we had a press conference? Have we heard from Torts? Because I've kind of been off the grid for five years. Yeah, I know you've been off the grid. Yes, yeah. they uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's official, right? Any, any any gems there? Any uh he says they need thicker skin. He's gonna go in there and coach the way he coaches, oh, and they need it. oh yeah. So perfect. Thicker skin already. Yeah. He hasn't even, oh. No, he's ready to go in there and represent the logo and the brand, and they need to be. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is full, full torts. It's f- right out of the gate. Yes. I love it. And speaking of Philadelphia, Frank is there. We'll talk to him when we come back. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Time for a visit with our NHL insider. He is Frank Saravelli, brought to you by South Trail Exports with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. What's going on, Frank? How are you, pal? I am good. Just trying to stay cool in Tampa. So you are in Tampa. I know that you were kind of in and out. You had gone home there for uh, for a few days. So I was wondering if uh, if you were in no, Philly, no trips home. If you were there for the full Tortorella experience last week, or uh, just by by extension, were you on like the rest of us, just on the uh, the conference calls and that? No, no, uh, not part of the Tortorella press conference at all. I've been on the cup final the whole time. Well, good for you. So uh, it it was, it's all one of those things, must win of this feels like a must win game. It was a must win. Stamco said it afterwards. Everyone said it before. They weren't going to, they just, they weren't going to find a way to do this against Colorado in four straight. And they're still kind of maybe in a, in a tough spot, but they had to respond and, and they did, as we've seen them do throughout this playoff. It's still a big, a big job, but they, they found a way. How? What was Vasilevsky keeps them in early? Uh, maybe a soft goal by Sorelli on Kemper. But what did you make last night in Tampa Bay, getting a huge win? Oh man, there was lots to it. Um, that challenge in the you know first few minutes of the game was also pretty big too. Colorado getting on the board, and it just felt like it was a two-goal swing the other direction when Tampa was able to reverse the call it was super quiet in Emily Arena because the the Bolts had actually gotten off to a better start in the game and then they still had that deflating goal go in so um that was significant the way their stars came out to play was also huge I mean Kucherov was outstanding Hedman was way better than he was in the first two games Stamkos was sublime you know their stars stepped up, and as you mentioned in net, Vasilevsky, that was the type of goaltending discrepancy that we were thinking we'd see in this series. Darcy Kemper maybe getting chased. Um, Vasilevsky holds down the fort, doesn't give up a lot, and the Lightning as a whole didn't give up a lot. That was the big difference to me, aside from skating, better decisions made with the puck, was they're just willing to pay the price. You, you look at the the shot blocks 27 to 12 in favor of the bolts um and then at the other end of the ice a significant discrepancy or advantage in inner slot shots uh the lightning doing a way better job getting to Kemper in game 3 
So you, and you wonder how it goes from game to game. Maybe that's just we've seen it a lot in this postseason where you think it's going one way. It's a lopsided game wherever it is through the best of seven, and then it's a complete one eighty. How did how did uh, either Colorado or it's how do you go from a like a beat down like what we saw in game two? And it had to, it must drive coaches crazy for a guy like John Cooper to know what your team's capable of and then get blown out and then respond. It's like where was that two days ago? How do you think Jared Bednar feels right now? I mean, that's the difference between game two to game three was like going from the mile high city to sea level. I mean, it was night and day difference. Um, you know, when you look at even just the abs themselves, like they, they looked like a team that, you know, you couldn't, you know, wag a stick at. That's how much, you know, further ahead they were than the Lightning. The Lightning all of a sudden in games one and two, they, they looked like a team that was 100 years old. Like they'd played so much hockey that it was overwhelming. They were tired. They looked like they didn't have anything left in the tank. And the Avs, it's not like they stopped skating in game three, but they weren't nearly as good. They didn't set the pace. They didn't set the tone in the way that they did in the first two games. And I think I'm more surprised at how different the Avs looked than how good the bolts look from game to game i mean nathan mckinnon was saying last night they're a proud team he said we knew they'd be better i just i don't know what happened to the abs where are they at with kemper like like dean alluded to it it's a, it, the francois came in was real good against edmonton uh he he did enough but wasn't really asked to do a lot in games one and two um and and this guy they went and gave a first rounder and what a, a significant prospect Connor for Timmons. and it's one year like he's a you this summer uh, it doesn't feel like they're super confident in him. Is that the lingo now? He's a U this summer? I oh, he's a UFA. It. I mean, I, I think you understand <laughs> what that means now. Pinder, oh, Pinder's the best. Uh, Pinder, uh, I would agree. Like, I, I, Have you ever seen a goaltender pitch a shutout in game two and be like, did anyone even mention it? Like, did, Was it anywhere except for the box score with Darcy yeah. Kim? I don't – that's – you know, that's sort of where they're at with their goaltending in that they're just kind of trying to hope to get by. I mean, it's, I kind of think back to the old uh, Scotty Bowman line, like goaltending doesn't matter until you need it. And that's kind of what it feels like here. You know, I would say given the way that he played in game three and also some of the goals that he gave up in game one, he hasn't been confidence inspiring. And I was thinking that he, you know, he entered game two with a, a medium leash, not a short leash, but now I think he enters game four with a short leash. If, if he wobbles, my guess is he starts. If he wobbles, I, I think they're going to go to Francois pretty quickly. Yeah, we're kind of the same thought. It's a short leash now, and if you really wanted to be bold, I mean, you could start him in game four. No? I mean – I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think they will. I, yeah. I think listening to Jared Bednar, how confident he was in Kemper before the series started, you know, would he start, wouldn't he coming off of the injury? And he's like, nope, this is the guy that we traded for. This is the guy who's been our guy all year. He's, he's our starter. Uh, we were talking about this morning. Where were you on Val Nichushkin before this season, and where's the market on him come July 13th if he's still there? Because he, he's done everything for the Avs, and – was probably only had to be one of their best six forwards, as crazy as that sounds. 
Yeah, it is nuts the season he's had. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch teams this summer in free agency sort of pick through how much is this what Val Nachushkin is doing, which is, is certainly impressive, and how much of a bump is he getting from playing on a team as talented and as deep as the abs? Like, it's something you have to consider and ask yourself if you're going to be signing Nazem Kadri this summer as well. He doesn't have a season like that in his, on his resume in terms of point total, nothing even close to that. You know, same thing with Nachushkin. Like, his goal output, his production is, is so far north of where he's typically been that it's like, how do you reconcile this? Is he, at, you know, has he just gotten a, a bump or has he been changed by the players he's playing with? Will that rub off on him on the next destination? There's no doubt he's going to get paid and, and significantly more than he probably could have ever dreamed. My question is, what does that range look like? My thought process is it's probably somewhere around the Brian Rust type deal that he got with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was six years times 5.1. I've heard some people say they think that he could be as far north as the Zach Hyman contract. I, I feel like that's probably a bit of a stretch, but here's the thing. When you watch what he's done in playoffs, how he's been the perfect complementary winger to, uh, to some skilled players on, on a line, and his size and the way that he's been a beast just physically, I'm thinking someone's going to step up and, and pay this guy a pile. And I almost wonder, you know, if there was going to be someone that acts like a mercenary, would he sign a short-term deal at big money and then try to get back into the market with two or three good years under his belt and really cash in? Or is this one year enough where he could get something close to max term and huge money? Yeah, I don't know about max term, but certainly significant term. Um, and, and probably big enough money to the point where you're like, hey, for someone that hasn't made a whole ton to this point, like you're, you're going you're gonna to take 25 or 30 or $35 million in security versus you know, trying to get, I don't know what it might be, like 15 or, or 14 on a two- or three-year deal and, and then try and work your way back up from there. Hmm. Wow. And – one of a lot of free agents around. Palat's another one. What are your thoughts on what he's provided? And is, is there a way that Tampa finds room for him? They haven't been able to keep almost anyone the last few off seasons, but a little more flexibility this year? Yeah, I think, well, you, you make exceptions for players that you think are game changers for your team. And, you know, just the relationship that John Cooper has with Andre Palat, just watching his playoff again, it's a reminder of how incredibly talented he he is and and such a big part of what Tampa does I think they find a way to keep him my my guess is he doesn't hit the open market um they do have a little bit of wiggle room this summer not much um they're gonna have to make you know some tough decisions elsewhere I'd imagine that you know if they're bringing back Palat there's probably very little chance someone like Nick Paul can stay um, and whatever it takes I think when you have a game changer like Palat who's been such a big part you know, if you need to move someone else in order to make it happen, that's what you do. Peter DeBoer off to Dallas. Is that uh, pretty much a done deal now? It's it's getting close. I mean, they've been they've been haggling on contract since I think Friday. Um, I'd made a few calls, and I was told then that it was you know premature to say that they were heading in that direction. Obviously, it comes out Sunday, and then you know Monday we hear they're working on a four year term. 
What's interesting to me about the term is that they were very close to pulling the trigger on Rick Tockett at the All-Star break, and the big thing that fell apart was the term. He wanted basically exactly the same term that uh, that Pete DeBoer is getting now. And so it's interesting to me to see Dallas sort of say, okay, Pete DeBoer worth it, essentially Rick Tockett not necessarily worth it, um, I don't I don't think they ended up circling back to talk it throughout this process and DeBoer seems to be the guy that they've been targeting. I don't I don't think they went down a very long list of candidates uh in this interview process to land on Pete DeBoer. What about in Florida? You talk about kind of hanging around. Oh, this is weird, isn't Andrew it? Andrew Burnett is kind of left twisting in the wind. There's more and more names seemingly coming up in the in the search or the the process for the Panthers. What are you hearing? It's a tough one. Like I, this is the guy that's the runner-up in the Jack Adams Award. Uh, pretty much did everything right that he could. You know, playoff results notwithstanding, you, you get pressed into an ugly situation. Joel Quenville steps away because of his role in the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault case with Jared Beach, and and then you know moving forward, um, Kyle Beach, excuse me, um, you know. He takes over a team that was seven and zero off to an unbelievable start, and they didn't. They never missed a beat. The players loved playing for him. I was told they raved about him in exit interviews, and yet the Panthers seem quite unconvinced that he's the guy. To the point where it's gotten so awkward now. I, I don't know how you possibly bring him back um, in any capacity. And I think a lot of people. I've seen this sort of misnomer out there saying. Oh, Andrew Brunette is in the final year of his contract and he, you know, will just become a free agent on July 1st. And maybe the Panthers are just running out the clock. He's actually under contract for next season as an associate coach and goes back to an assistant level pay. So he's in a really tough spot because there are other openings out there. There's still a handful of openings out there. And yet, he can't interview for any of them because the Panthers have not cut him loose yet. And yet they continue this parade through their offices, interviewing a number of different candidates, including all the heavy hitters out there. And as I reported yesterday, Yuka Yelonen, the Finnish national team coach since 2008, he's won Olympic gold, three-time world champion, um, you know, certainly one of the very best coaches uh, in the world that just hasn't gotten a shot in the NHL and where does that leave Andrew Burnett like it's so awkward wow there's some lots of fins on that team like that they've got uh obviously what Farkov I mean it's Lundell like those are those are some pieces interesting I want to stay with Florida and then by the way they did the only uh assistant coach that they ended up keeping was Tuomo Rutu uh-huh. And their GM, Bill Zito, has a lot of connections in Finland. He, Kekalainen, right? Um, his, yeah, his old boss. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously Kekalainen, but also he, he worked in the agent business in Finland. Huh. Um, that's where he cut his teeth. So um, it's it's just an interesting connection all the way around. The It was a week ago, I guess, maybe, or ballpark, that, uh, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky, he's available. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he is with a $10 million cap hit and four years remaining. Uh, the notion was that maybe Florida, they'd eat almost half or up to half of that if somebody was uh, was so inclined so they could hand the reins over to Spencer Knight. 
What's the likelihood, even at, say, $5 million with four years left, that a team would bite in Bobrovsky? Not very high, I don't think. It's, it's not – I mean, it is the dollars, but it's more so the term. It's, the, it's being locked into that five for, for four more years. That's the difficult part. Um, I'm sure the Panthers are trying. I, I just – I don't see it as a big – like, they'd have to pay exorbitantly, I would think, in order for someone to bail them out. And I almost wonder if, and and this, you know, people think this is a hot take. Does it almost make sense to go the other direction? And given where your team is at and the type of haul you could get for him, does it make sense to move Spencer Knight instead? Well, and this this is the question that arises when less than a week apart or 10 days or whatever it was, you draft a goalie in the top 15 in the first round, after you've committed $70 million to a guy. I, I, don't, I didn't ever know that those timelines could ever work. Did you want someone in a top 15 pick to take seven years to become a number one? It, it never made any sense. I, I, it, it was almost like two different regimes made those choices. One to sign Bobrovsky and another one to draft Knight, and yet they were the exact same management group, and those two circles kind of never really – you know, link up with each other. Uh, I I don't, I don't know what the path is moving forward here, but I feel like with, with Knight, there's so much interest and so much potential. Um, you know, could you imagine what some of these other teams that have goaltending issues would be willing to pay to get someone that they believe is a bona fide NHL starter right now, who's young and also inexpensive on the cap. Like it, I, I'd imagine, you know, some of these teams would pay an absolute king's ransom to the point where, you know, and, and I had had managers throughout the league float this idea to me around the trade deadline. And I checked in with the Panthers asking the very same question, should they consider trading Spencer Knight? And the response I got from the Panthers was, are you kidding me? Like we are not trading Spencer Knight under any circumstance. And I understand the reason why you'd want to speak in absolutes. I think it would just be crazy if you're not at least internally discussing the idea or notion of what that might look like. Now, what's going on in Carolina with Ethan Bear? And do you, do you see any similarities to a, a similar contractual stalemate last year with a player with Arbrights in uh, Alex Nijelkovic? Um, not, not really, like not at all. Okay. Um, in Nijelkovic, they were hoping to get him at a very specific number. He wasn't interested or willing to play ball. Um, even though I thought the, you know, what the Nadelkovich camp and what he ended up signing for, given his play, was really reasonable. They just said, this doesn't fit our structure and we're moving on. In this case with Ethan Bear, my understanding is they don't have any intention on signing him to his qualifying offer. And they're just looking to recoup an asset for a player that they're likely not bringing back. He played, I think, the first 58 games of the season and then was a healthy scratch through most of the end of it, didn't play a single playoff game. Um, there seems to be some buzz again, I guess because he was an oiler. Uh, you know, Edmonton fans saying, hey, bring this guy back. He's, he's struggled to get his game together, and so they're saying essentially he's not worth, uh, you know, two-plus million dollars to, to bring him uh, back for another season in Carolina. And it appears that unless he's willing to take a significant pay cut, that he's not going to be a hurricane moving forward. 
saw the, uh, I mean, James Van Riemsdyk now with Tortorella in there. It, it, it's what we went through here. Daryl Sutter comes in. Well, who can, who's not going to be able to play for Daryl Sutter? Now in Philadelphia, who's not going to be able to play for John Tortorella? And the name James Van Riemsdyk comes to the, to the forefront. $7 million cap hit, $5 million in real money. Uh, I guess my bigger question is it's, it always feels like it's a bit of a race. You find the teams that want to get to the cap floor and you know, weaponize their cap space, that sort of thing. Is JVR going to be one of those guys? How many teams are looking to do so? And how de- how it's, it's musical chairs. You don't want to get left behind if you're looking to offload one of these contracts. Yeah, I, I'm not reading too much into to James Van Riemsdyk and, and the connection with, or more to your point, lack of connection potentially with John Tortorella. The way I look at it, and, and some people were saying, hey, is JVR a buyout candidate? And I'm like, I don't think so. One year left, like you, you'd rather hope to get through it. And and the key for me is, is if he plays well, he could be a real potential asset slip at the deadline. And as opposed to potentially giving up something to get off that $7 million on your books now, you might be able to get something decent back for him if he puts up another you know, 23, 25, 27 goal campaign that you can pretty much, um, you know, set a clock to for him in his career. So I would think that that would be the play moving forward is let's see if we can unload this guy at the deadline for an asset as opposed to let's pay to do it now. What about goalies? It's kind of a broad question, but Toronto has a decision to make in, in a way about Jack Campbell. It's uh, Samsonov and Vanacek are both restricted in Washington. St. Louis has Huso as a UFA this summer. There's Yeah, there, there's potential for a bit of a carousel here. Do you have any kind of read on what the goalie offseason could look like? It's pretty wild. I mean, there's a number of different markets. You mentioned a few of them. What about New Jersey? I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood is someone that they really seem to have lost trust in. He's on our trade targets board. Edmonton's looking for a starter. What does Mini do with Cam Talbot? Does he do they try and bring Mark Andre Fleury back to play in tandem with Talbot again? How does Vegas handle their goaltending situation? What's the status of Robin Leonard moving forward after his surgery? Um, Colorado, we've talked about with Kemper and pending unrestricted free agent. The Flyers are looking for someone to play in tandem with Carter Hart. Um you know, I, I think Carolina's pretty set, but they have two guys that are also entering the final year of their deal. Buffalo, I don't even think they have a goalie. And you mentioned Washington. Um, and then the other team is Pittsburgh, looking for someone to play with Jari. So uh, it's uh, there's there's a lot going on on the goaltending market. It's the annual, the summer game of goaltending musical chairs. Um, it, I'd imagine it begins spinning. And, and in fact, I've talked to some teams this week to 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 get a handle on and they've said it it has begun to to play out already with teams starting to engage in conversation um you know there's a couple guys on the trade targets board i mentioned blackwood but also john gibson and some others that teams are trying to figure out what the the prices are for some of these guys i was going to ask you about gibson because of course the uh the rumor came out and then he you know quickly put cold water on it but you, sometimes that's just uh you know it's just for the media's sake is he available in your mind a hundred percent he's available the, the Anaheim ducks i think have made the decision that they'd like to move on from john gibson i feel like it's been pretty high on their priority list in fact 
after Pat Verbeek took over, he had uh, put John Gibson out there to a number of teams at the deadline saying, hey, I know he's got term on his contract, but if you're looking for a solution in net, he could be your fix. And that was for any of the teams that had goaltending issues at the deadline. And now um, I, I just think they, they don't like the body language. They don't like the frustration uh, that is apparent seemingly every time John Gibson gives up a goal, it feels like it's always someone else's fault. Uh, that's worn on a lot of people there. And, and to Gibson's credit, he's a competitor and they've also lost a lot. So he went from being on a team that was, you know, one of the most consistently competitive in the league in his first few years in the, uh, in his career to then being on, you know, one of the worst teams. And I, I get that that change of pace is, is uh, not only annoying, but frustrating that he's, you know, he probably didn't handle it as well as he could. And, and I think that wore on a few people saying, hey, let's, let's make a change here and let's do something a little different. Are you excited for the NHL awards tonight? I actually am. I'm, uh, I will be there in the flesh, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who Keenan Thompson can make fun of tonight. He's very good. I'm a, I, I think he, uh, he's a very funny lad, and he actually does like the game, I think. I don't think he's just taking yep. the money. Mighty think, Ducks, uh, I, I Mighty Ducks D two. I think it it uh, it's a big part of him. Well, it's good to talk to you, Frank. Enjoy but the Frank, NHL. It's been a while. Yeah, have fun and and yeah, yeah, take your time getting home. You have, you know, what do you you do laundry <laughs> on the road anyway? Yeah, uh, occasionally, occasionally do the old hotel laundry drop and uh, yeah, like I said, just. Just trying to stay cool. The uh, even the walk to the rink. I I was I did Tim and friends yesterday outside, and I saw someone tweet me. They're like, I actually felt bad for Frank. He had sweat streaming down his face, and yeah. Tim promptly asked me on air, "Do you feel like a rotisserie chicken?" And the answer was yes, a very thick one. Just no respect, you know. Just no respect. Like McAuliffe's got room to chirp anybody about. Who decided to put a fat guy in a little coat outside in in thirty eight degree weather? Like. Bad this planning. is a bad idea. Bad planning. Be good, Frank. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Thanks, guys. Take care. You bet, yeah. Frank. Sarah Valley NHL Insider brought to you by South Trail Exports. Inventory shortages across the city have made this the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Pivot, break, back, Sportsnet 960, the fan.